Hello, welcome to Beyond the Filter. Uh, my name is Liz Ryerson, and uh, this time I'm here with Isaac Cohen, who is a web developer slash artist slash question mark. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about this before, you know, before I started recording about like, how should I describe you? <laughs> who um, knows? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I just um, we can we can. There's a lot of different places we could start, but first I wanted to ask you just some about what your work and what you do, and kind of what distinguishes it. Some clarifying questions about what distinguishes it from other stuff, and sort of those the kind of communities that you find yourself a part of. So yeah, just if you could tell me a little bit about your work. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I sort of. Uh got into uh, creating things with code um, after I graduated from college and you know needed to find out a way to make money so I started making these really really horrible websites for my friends um, but then somebody showed me this library called 3js which is a, a 3d library for doing webgl stuff on the internet and I what just, is what is webgl exactly sorry uh, uh, webgl is basically just a way that you communicate with the GPU that you can use on the web the Okay, the like the graphics processor exactly, on the computer. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. so it's, we've sort of always been limited to the CPU on the web, but now that we have access to the GPU, we're sort of like permitted to do a lot more things in terms of computation, in terms of rendering, in terms of, you know, making actual games or actual stories or like full real experiences. And of. and things that have traditionally used like the GPU are like video games, right? Exactly, exactly, okay. exactly. So Anyway, continue. That's definitely, uh, yeah. So, so basically, uh, I started doing 3D stuff on the web and was just like, oh my god, like I never knew that I could control three-dimensional objects without having to do all of the math myself. And 3DS is this really, really wonderful library that sort of allows you to um, very quickly create something. Um, and very quickly start fiddling with something. So it, it 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 basically like one of its biggest assets is it just has this massive list of examples. And I sort of started by learning by just going to an example, changing a line of code, being like, what does that do? Changing a line of code, what does that do? And just doing that until it like slowly the entropy just grew and then it just like s slowly like crumbled. And then I'd be like, okay, start over or like <laughs> start another example. And and it was crazy because I would just do that again and again and again. And then, like, one day I was just like, oh, wait, like, I've written the majority of this code on this thing instead of just taking it from an example. And and, and, and that moment was, like, a really crazy one to me because it, the sort of growth from learning to creating was such a organic and, and like, spectral one. I, I didn't even notice the transition. Did you? So did you come from more of an artist background? Uh. Yeah, I guess like definitely not. You know, I had like one or two shows that I would, you know, like did did uh, a lot of stencil work, a lot of okay. work. Um, but it was definitely much more a hobby. You know, I've I've done music my entire life. Um, you know, my mom always sort of pushed me towards art, and my dad definitely always pushed me towards, uh, you know, um, learning about different uh, music and art and stuff like that. Uh, okay. When I was really young, uh, I actually learned Logo, like pretty much before I learned to read. What is uh, Logo? Logo is this super old programming language where you have oh. to 
and which is just a triangle and you sort of say like move forward 10 steps turn right 20 degrees move oh, okay 10 steps and it's this procedural programming language um yeah and it was really cool i always loved playing with it but i could never like my dad would tr- try to show me how to use it to like make a game and i'd just be like nah i'm just gonna draw circles on the screen dad <laughs> uh, children these days well you have to make you have to make rules to make a video game and that can be pretty intense exactly exactly i'd much rather like make rules to like accidentally draw something on the screen that is different than what i imagined it could be yeah, and well, that sounds like that approach defined when you got into doing WebGL stuff, too, of just trial and error kind of... Yeah, totally, totally, totally. And sort of like, I think that my my, my favorite part about programming as compared to um, sort of like, for example, making stencils is that, you know, when you make a stencil, you have a very clear idea of what the final form is going to be. Um, but there's been a few times when I program that are like very definite important moments of my life where I sort of have this conception of what a thing is going to look like but then like you know I press compile or whatever and or, or refresh the page and it just is so much more it's so much like bigger than my mind can comprehend and then like <laughs> the thing that I'm witnessing is like more the majesty of the computer and like the wealth of human knowledge and 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 resources that are poured into making like one of these crazy GPUs than it is at all my own work you know yeah. That, yeah there's so much of a basis uh which can be used and exploited uh now for more artistic ends i guess yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and, and for me, it's like it's like an exploitation, but it sort of is like a, a almost like a two-way exploitation in, in, in some ways because, like, you know, there's there's uh, there's a lot of times that I don't feel like I have sort of like sovereignty over my creations. You know, there's yeah. a lot of times when like. You know, especially when I started and especially now with like the new work that I'm doing, I'm like, I start with this concept in my head. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to make. And then by the time that I'm actually at a place where I'm going to release the thing, it's like, oh, that is a complete 180 of what I was going to make it, it. And and I and I notice this a lot, like when I make music, um, it's all about sort of like literally going through, like I'll go through my iTunes library, just listen to small snippets of a song, be like, oh, I like that one grab it, bring it into Ableton, uh, play it, and then say, like, okay, what goes, or, or like chop it up a bit, play with it a bit, contort it a bit, and then say like, okay, what goes good with this? Mm-hmm. And then just, again, start going through my iTunes library and just like the first thing that I hit that I think might make sense, I'll bring it in, try it out. And I'll go through these iterations where like the first version of a song has none of the same parts as the last version of the song but like all you know the first one i'll bring in like this harmony with a guitar mm-hmm. and then like that harmony with the guitar will remain for like you know 10 more different tracks that i'll bring in and and, and i'm testing out but then like that'll disappear and a new thing will come in and it, it it's much more for me like djing reality mm-hmm. than it is about like sort of manifesting my ego upon reality or or uh mashups or something yeah exactly 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 it's Um, yeah oh so go go ahead no that's i i think it's weird it feels like you're like listening to something and trying to sort of turn that thing you're listening to into a a a object that other people can look at you know Mm -hmm. and it feels like sort of like you're like pointing at something 
you know, like for me, like I always want my art to be like pointing at something like, like, like the art itself should just be like this finger, you know, pointing at this like really beautiful, I don't know, like, like plant or flower or tree that's, you know, maybe beyond what I can actually touch or beyond what I can actually communicate, but sort of allows through its inadequacies or sort of through the mistakes or, or, or the way that it's created or sort of the, the, the aspects of the medium like just points towards something beyond what it is instead of trying to say like this is the ultimate flower you know yeah well and something something organic yeah something like um a f not just a flower in like the physical sense but also in like <laughs> an abstract sense like. yeah. yeah 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 like a, a, a almost like functional sense like the way that it blossoms or blooms or the way that it changes or like the time dependent dimension of that object the fact that nature sort of represents the unknowable yeah or, yeah, yeah yeah it always is difficult for me though because like as soon as i start thinking about nature it just is like why the fuck am i even creating like yeah. nature is so much better so much better like anything i look at let me look at like this one leaf oh that is better than anything i will ever great like well, that 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 had years and years to evolve in, like you know, a, a a long process, and like, or I don't know, things developing organically, like they they develop in response to their environment, and so we can never sort of have that level of just things that exist around it, because the way yeah. that you develop. Um, defines your uh, your ability to survive and function so your entire function is encapsulated in the shape or whatever yeah. of the thing and yeah. that's not something that like humans really have the capability of just creating something that can is you know completely tested can function yeah yeah, yeah exactly percent. exactly and, exactly yeah <laughs> like our, our machines they they break down and they only have specific uses and we need yeah, yeah, yeah. several like so far yeah they're not they're not self-sufficient they you know they can't just they can't just use um things in the environment around them they sort of have to we have to create an environment yes. a simulation yeah, yeah, yeah we need to not only create the thing but the context that that thing lives in and 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 sort of like all these different yeah we have to make the we have to describe and the in its totality the world that we're trying to create and that means like we're gonna fail but i do yeah. I, I think that there is something exciting about it because it sort of is like okay if i try to make the thing that feels like as goopy as possible right and I'm just like trying to replicate reality in that way. Never going to make the goopy, you know, anything as goopy as like jello itself or anything like, you know, as, as, as goopy as like flour mixed with water, you know, like I'm not going to yeah. do that or cornstarch mixed with water. But I do like the fact that you sort of reach as far as you can towards that like shimmering star in the distance, which is like the real world. And then you say, okay, never going to make it there, but. I can make it like, you know, 0. 0.0001% of the way there. <laughs> and then I can, you know, like, uh, you know, add music to it. Then I can make it like pulse with the sound of an audio. Then I can, you know, negate the masses of everything. Then I can, you know, really begin to sort of like play with and like contort and just, you know, 
totally screw up the thing that I've made because it's like reality is the best except that being deeply malleable, you mm. know? And once you start kind of doing simulations, you might not get to reality. You might not get, a, you know, anywhere close to reality. You might be always infinitely far away from replicating reality, but it's malleable. But it's, you know, you can contort it and twist it in ways that you could never possibly imagine. Or you can sort of just, like, take two things and put them together, like, take the rate of, uh, you know, like, gentrification in the Bay Area and put it into a a bottle of jello and see what happens and you know the jello isn't going to be that accurate the data of of rates of gentrification is going to be that accurate but like you combine the two and it's like oh this is a new way to sort of understand a a pseudo reality mm-hmm. so i guess i wanted to i think we're we're hitting at some interesting uh topics here that i want to probably bring up uh, uh further on but i want to go back a little bit and yeah, just say so, <laughs> we got pretty deep real quick yeah <laughs> um i mean the, the one thing i was going to say was that a lot of people will say that our, the, the goal of art is not to create a simulation or not to be a substitute for reality but point at certain facets of reality and that goes back to what you were saying about pointing at stuff yeah. but um so I, I wanted to talk about like so I got introduced to your work just from a friend of mine who, um, you know, suggested that I play, play, watch, experience your uh, uh, something that you made, which you describe as an interactive storybook. Could also be described as a game. I don't. It depends. Um, it, it's called Enough, and I was really struck by a lot of things in it. Um, but I, th- w- one thing I was struck by that just independent of the actual work itself was. Um, that it seemed to get a lot of recognition and um, like uh, there were a lot of people who were interested in it, but not in the world of video games. Like I hadn't heard anyone talk about it in video games, even though like there was a lot of very obvious, I mean, like it could very easily be considered a video game. So those kind of like um, barriers between like different scenes or, or mediums kind of, feel hazy to me and, yeah but yeah you so you live in the bay area right yeah that's correct i live in oakland currently yeah well and i used to live in the bay area so we hung out a few times and talked about stuff like i i don't know the the some of the most interesting people i've met are just i randomly discover their work and then look at their twitter bio and it says like oh my gosh they live in oakland <laughs> yeah, right? yeah yeah yeah. i, love, I, <laughs> I guess i should contact them yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I just uh when we talked, I think the first time that we hung out, you had kind of expressed um exhaustion over the what, the sort of web dev scene or yeah. web dev whatever that you're from and it, wanting to get more like legitimacy or at least um you wanted to get more into the games world cuz that seemed to appeal to you and then of course I responded with like a lot of cynicism <laughs> about the game stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah. um we all, yeah. we all see the like greener pastures in the in the other little areas of of uh the world and sort of like are like oh i'm gonna go there and everything's gonna be great and then it just is you know grapes of wrath or something <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i guess i wanted to ask you a question of what what is that that world to you what distinguishes it from video games and what distinguishes it from maybe the the last podcast that I did I talked to uh Natalie Lawhead um who's a video game artist um 
and she used to do net art stuff. So like what distinguishes that from also net art? So if you yeah. could talk a little bit about that. Totally, totally, totally. I think that the first the first thing that I'll say, um, which is really important for the rest of this conversation, is like I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. And like <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of these scenes are um defined really loosely and and also it's crazy because they're defined in these ways where like so many of my homies are just twitter homies you know and then like mm -hmm. we finally meet in person and or like I'll, I'll be in these conversations with people where like i'll be talking with somebody and their friend and they're like oh dude i think i know you on twitter like we follow each other it's like oh cool like what's your handle and they say it i'm like uh i don't think i know that and then i'm like what's your you know what's your what's your twitter picture and they're like, oh, it's like this like ray of light going through a floppy disk and it's all 8-bit and then it changes into a rainbow. And I'm like, oh, my God, prism floppy, homie? Like, what the fuck is up? <laughs> I took a bullet for you. Um, and I, I, I really, like, love that that moment. And and I think that to me, like, that at least for, for my way of experiencing the culture, that's a lot of what it is to me. Um, and, and for a long time, it was crazy because I sort of never knew the culture. And then like, I began slowly meeting different people from the culture. And it's just always so crazy when, you know, you meet in Portland or like in, in person and, and all of a sudden it's just, it's like, Oh, you aren't just like these words that appear on my screen. You're like a living, breathing human being with your own desires. And, and a lot of times they're like way cooler than their Twitter picture. And a lot of times they're just way worse than their Twitter picture. Yeah. Um, but I found like for the most part, people are pretty kind. Um, I would where, say, so where, where, where have you been meeting people and, yeah, and what got you into that sort of totally scene in a physical space? Yeah. Uh, so, so basically I think the, the biggest one is when I was traveling in Europe for a while, I sort of like every new place that I would go, I'd like send out a tweet being like, yo, I'm in this place. Like anybody want to hang out? Um, and it was always really fun to sort of see people show me what they really loved and what they were really doing. Um, I think probably like one of my favorite moments from that is, uh, there's this, uh, kid Jack Armitage in London who, uh, invited me. He was at the time he was working at Rolly, which, uh, they make this super rad, uh, keyboard. And, you know, I was like, yo, I'm in the area. And he's like, yo, come through th for lunch. Like, let's let's have a conversation with the people who work here about, like, the interaction design stuff you're doing. And so I came through, and then I, like, talked with him. And then I was talking with him afterwards. And it, and he was like, hey, uh, like, I'm playing at a, a, a concert tonight. Or, like, I'm, I, me and my friends are having a concert tonight. You should come through. And, of course, like, whenever I hear that, I'm just like, uh-uh. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't want to go listen to your shitty music. But then he's, like, talking more. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, what kind of music is it? And he's like, oh, you know this label, like, PC Music? And I was just like, no fucking <laughs> I thought that only existed on the internet. Yeah. And, like, he, like, takes me to a PC Music concert and just it's, you know, it was just, like, the craziest thing where it just is like, oh, I totally thought that this was only a thing that existed on the internet. But there's just, like, a line around the block of, like, fucking cool kids going to listen to some like weird ass noise music classical violinist followed by like a rager at like the underground of some hotel in london it was like yeah those sorts of experiences are always like the craziest where it just is like oh every person i meet sort of had or not every person but a lot of people you meet who care about creation have these worlds that are so much deeper and more meaningful than you could ever begin to comprehend unless you experience it firsthand 
and that that definitely has been like pretty magical to me uh about the community um sort of so, so how did you uh so you were tweeting out to people and presumably people followed you from from a lot of these people followed you from your work um you, you know from work that you've made or or and so what what kind of work were you were, were you yeah, making totally so like basically i um start like the first game that i ever made was this um thing where you uh it basically is these different recursion algorithms and there's these different blocks and you click on the different blocks and you build the song but while you're clicking on the blocks you um learn facts from wikipedia so each one has these different themes or not just wikipedia but like you're learning these facts so each level has a different theme so like one of them was about journeys um and and they were all sort of you're like building this song and it'd be like you know like one of the boxes themes would be about like journeys of people and one would be about like different migrations and one would be about um like one would be about sort of like uh 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 journeys in the space and one, you know, and then there's another one about burials. So it's about different burial techniques, about different, uh, burial rituals. Um, there's one about recursion and there was one about, uh, different jewels. Um, and so that was like the first thing I ever made. But then after that, it sort of very quickly got into audio reactivity and sort of like, what is, what is audio reactivity? Um, it, uh, just using audio as an input data. So it's basically like data visualization, but for audio. Um, and sort of the first few things I ever made, the way that I visualized that audio was, uh, by using, um, was by using, uh, was by using basically just the volume to move up and down something. But very quickly I discovered that like, for me, the fidelity of that data is what is the most important. Basically it, you know, most audio visualizations sort of have like three or four main parts that they're visualizing, like the lows, the mids, the highs. So of, really, of the, uh, of, the, the audio, yeah. like the, the frequencies. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and like, like a bass would be a low frequency and, you know, like yeah. violin would be yeah. high frequency. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And it works really well, especially for sort of super basic visualizations like if you just want to have like a boom 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 you know and just have a thing sort of like grow at that uh you can you can do that really well with these low bin count visualizations on um, what low low bin count? oh sorry yeah <laughs> um no i just uh i i'm fine with you you talking about this stuff i just am going to keep asking you constantly <laughs> perfect um so basically the 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 number of bins, like uh, like trash bin you can think of, is sort of like the amount of times that you split up the frequency. So if you think about sort of like those waveform visualizers, um, they'll split up the frequency into a certain amount of bins. Um, so it's basically like you might have a three bin count visualization um, of lows, so mids, highs, right? So each one of those would be considered a different bin. Okay, so the lows are bin, mids are bin, yeah, highs. Okay. exactly. Um, but for me, I sort of, at some point in time, realized that I could use like 256 bins or 1,024 bins. And as soon as that happened and as soon as I was playing with that data, like you start noticing these things about audio that you've never seen before. Like, uh, you know, you see overtones of sounds or you see the fact that like a human voice has like, you know, four or five different frequencies that it's activate, 
it's active in. And, and for me then like, it was just all about just like, Oh my God, how do I like let that data become what it is? You know, like how do I communicate that data visually? Mm. Um, not in any sort of like intentional way. I wasn't like, ah, this will do this and this will do this. It was just like, let me make a system that is reactive enough that when it is played by the song, uh, it dances to the song. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, I I saw I saw some of that in in Enough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That the Golden Sun in Enough is like I think one of my favorite examples of that because it really feels like this like gooey beast that is just like getting down to like some track, you know. And so the that three D model is is reacting in real time to the audio that's playing. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that, you know, so the first, sort of the first visualizations that I did um, were much more about sort of um, one-to-one mapping of audio data to visual data. So you might have like, imagine like a, a, a mountain set, right? Mm-hmm. And you have 256 mountains and each one of those mountains goes up or down based on the volume at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just go like up and down and up and down and it's really quick and really um, like precise and really sharp. Um, but it also uh, doesn't feel as organic in some ways. Um, and so later as I started studying simulations more and more and more, I ended up using the sound as a force rather than a position. And so, like, the golden orbit enough actually has all these different things that more or less, like, radiate these sound waves out based on their frequency and hit all the vertices and make those vertices, each one has its own mass and springs attached to it. So it, like, makes it dance by force. So it's, like, more of, like, a, a, a puppet with springs attached rather than a puppet with strings attached. Oh, okay. Um, so it's so it, so it has a little bit of its own yeah, resistance to exactly, it. Exactly, like each each little vertice has its own information, its own life, its own velocity. And so that because it's not exactly one to one, it can cause things that you wouldn't expect or anticipate. Well, yeah, and I mean, even the things that are one to one, sort of the algorithm that makes them one to one, can be complex enough that it still like has those really powerful moments, like. Um, the first, I remember, and I will remember forever, like the first audiovisual thing I ever made, it was like right after this really bad breakup, I was like really not doing well in my life. Um, and I was listening to a lot of Burial at the time, specifically Rough Sleeper and Truant. And I remember yeah, the first... I, I also listened to those in a depressed phase. <laughs> yeah, right? Rough Sleeper is just so like melancholy, glorious, like... Oh, God, I love that track so much. Um, But I I remember, like, I was working on this thing and just mapping all the vertices to different parts, different bends. Um, And I just remember, like, the first time that I tried it and it just, like, sang, you know, like, sang to me. It was like this creature that was, like, I don't know, it, it felt, like, alive, you know, because it was, like, it was beyond my own comprehension. It wasn't something that I intended you know it felt like it had you know a a mind of its own and it would just like 
yeah, it would just like sing to me and, 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 and as the different, like, especially with burials, you hear these different like cracks and murmurs and pops and whistles The the beast would like dance and, 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 and react to that in these ways that I like, could never imagine. And, and I would, you know, work on it pretty much every night. Um, and it would just like, it was crazy. It was just like this, like lullaby or something of this little creature that was just like, everything's going to be all right. And like, it was, it was so weird. It was like almost like a pet to me. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so there's more almost like if you're doing something like that and you want an interesting or unpredictable or whatever shapes um, or, you know, ways that things move, um, having more complex audio yeah, exactly. or multi-layered audio yeah. definitely makes it. So there's more of an incentive to do that. Yeah, well, and, and, and yeah, for me, like I'm very specific about the audio that I use to visualize things because, you know, there's a lot of audio that it's just like if the audio is apathetic, if the audio is banal, if the audio is like uninspired, the the object itself will be probably those things as well. That's um, it's in the reason I mentioned that is, you know, I've done sound design and sound stuff for games and almost always you want something simpler like like you you don't want too many sounds or at least i like that's the kind of expectation anyways you want something that isn't doesn't have too many um like overtones or yeah. like so that you don't confuse the sounds for each other yeah yeah um and and therefore like you don't know exactly you know what you know goal to attain or whatever of course i feel very cynical about that perspective yeah um, yeah 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 there's yeah there's uh it's it's wanting to have control over the viewer instead of sort of like giving yourself enough confusion that the viewer is confused and then all of a sudden once the viewer is confused like then they can actually engage in curiosity and discovery you know yeah, but we can talk about that a little more later. <laughs> um, so how did how did you first start getting attention for making this kind of stuff? Um, I I think it was definitely so. Like the three GS community, it was definitely like the first online community that I really felt like I was a part of, and it's a uh, it's really like it's a really awesome community there's like a lot of people so basically i sort of started doing a bunch of stuff and then i was thinking about should i go to grad school for art should i try to get a job and i emailed a bunch of these people who i really looked up to from the community sort of being like really scared to email them you know and they all just responded with these like deeply informative long posts about sort of like the the way that they had chosen to move um in the way that, you know, like what they had done and what they thought about that. Um, and, and I just was like, oh my God, this is, you know, like, thank you so much, but also really made me feel like they cared about my growth um, mm -hmm. in a really cool way. And it's, it's awesome because like, they're all my friends now. Like the dude who I just let in actually is, is, is one of the people or the dude who made 3JS itself. So it's like, <laughs> like, you know, this, this thing that I learned now is like led to, me meeting a person who is also like a, a good friend of mine um you know but there's these other people in the community who are just like really brilliant and really you know everybody in the community is is trying to make things and also make things that help other people make things so we were talking earlier about like the difference between net art and and web dev 
communities yeah I think that that might be a pretty specific distinction especially with um in terms of like the webgl community is like um because it's a new thing everybody is sort of like not only creating but also working on creating tools because um you know for example like a lot of the community is predicated on advertisement just because games are more a, a native application oh, okay and like, that's where you get that's where you get money to keep exactly, doing the exactly, stuff that you want to do exactly and 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 those are the sort of people who are using who are pushing webgl to its limits in a lot of ways like it's pretty much like demo scene people and and like the sort of like new webgl demo scene uh maybe not even demo scene is the right word um, well, demo scene is good for describing a community of people who are trying to push a, a, a certain technology to its limits exactly. and show, show it, off about it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, but it sort of like comes from like a lot of the people. Like uh, one of my favorite WebGL uh, artists and, and and creators is this dude uh, Jaime Sanchez, who uh, I think his Twitter handle is the Spite. Um, but he, you know, he works for for Be Real and sort of like. Uh, you know, What's like, Be Real? Uh, they're an, uh, a production company. In, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, international production company. Um, and they, you know, like he'll just make all these really cool demos, but he'll also be making tools that, you know, then are open source so that he can use them in his job, but also other people can use them. So he's made this entire library for doing post-processing, um, and he's, you know, built a bunch of demos that other people, you know, uh, you know, get inspired by or, or, or look at code from. Um, he's written some things for like different shading models. And that's, you know, that's really cool because it, it sort of is a community where um, the creation is additive, you know? So mm -hmm. like when you make a tool, everybody gets that tool. And it's cool because like for me, I'll be like trying to make art, but then I'll notice that I'm using this one tool again and again and again in my art. And then I'll take like an extra week to sort of like parse that out and make it something that other people can use. And all of a sudden, like, you know, they don't have to, you know, they, they can sort of like push their art as well or push whatever thing they're doing, you know, by using a tool that I made just because I was having fun with art. But then sort of like as soon as you're part of an open source community, there's always this question of like, oh, could other people use this? Like, is this something that I should take the time to create for other people? Um, and I'm pretty selfish in the way that I do that. You know, like most of the things that I make are still instances rather mm. than tools. Um, but like Ricardo, who who does 3JS, is spending so much of his time, uh, you know, making these like really amazing tools for people to use. And sort of like I definitely would not be making art if it wasn't for, you know, the tools that he made and the tools that other people have made and the sort of the ways that they've pushed me. Like uh, – Real quick, I gotta mention this one dude in the community. Uh, no problem. His, his name, his name is Wes Langley, and and anybody in the three JS community just like knows of Wes Langley because he's contributed a lot of code to three JS, but also he just is on Stack Overflow answering three JS questions. And like, I don't know if anybody knows who he actually is, but like, on on Stack Overflow, I just have. You know, like pretty much every question I ever asked within like three hours would be answered by Wes Langley with extreme clarity and just like all this helpful stuff and sort of like pushing you a bit further. And it just is so crazy that there's like somebody in the community 
helping that community exist in such a, you know, powerful, selfless way, you know, but I've never <laughs> seen anything that he's actually made. I don't know what he does for his job, you know, that's really funny. Yeah, I don't even there's a there's a guy in the in the indie games or game scene that is like that, at least for me, his name is Leon Arnott. And uh, he does um, he he helped develop like the new version of Twine and stuff. But he's done like he's one of those people who just like always answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how important that is for um, for a community, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is weird how um, so much of the community communities that we we get in you know we get involved in online and stuff end up defining so much of what we make i guess in both really positive and negative ways but it does introduce you to things that you would have no real reason to be introduced to otherwise yeah exactly and it it, it definitely is so crazy to think about like um sort of like online personalities like becoming you in some ways so like my my online name and, and the name that I create most art is is Kabibo. And it was never supposed to be like a pseudonym in the way that it like exactly represents me. It always felt like more like a a title of a project or something. But then it was so crazy, you know, like I the first time that I met people, it's like, oh shit, Kabibo. Yeah. yeah it's like, I, oh wow. Uh okay. I, I still sometimes refer to you as Kabibo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's it is funny to sort of like be like, oh, like, yeah, it's a very uh, interesting way to sort of see how like other people define you and, and, and sort of like you begin to define yourself because of the way that other people have defined you. And usually, you know, like in high school, and middle school, that was a horrible enterprise and I did <laughs> stupid things because of that. But now it sort of is like, you know, like people say things like, oh, you, you know, like, for example, like I use a lot of normal maps in my art. So basically what are, what are normal maps? Yeah. It basically uses the normal. Um, so sort of like if you think of a plane, mm -hmm. it's the, the vector, uh, it's the line that goes upwards from the plane. Okay. So, so if, if, if you are, if the plane is in the X, Y, it would be Z. Um, okay. But what you do is you basically take that vector and you convert it to a color. So sort of like uh, if, if it was exactly in the Z direction, you mm. convert X, Y, Z to red, green, and blue. Oh, if okay. it's in the Z direction, it would be blue. If it was in the X direction, it would be um, red. If it was in the Y direction, it would be green. So and wherever it moves... Um... It's changing it, colors. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's sort of. I've I've heard about normal mapping a lot, but I never knew well, what it was. Well, that so, makes sense. So, so uh, the way that I mean, I uh, when I say normal map, I actually mean slightly. So, so usually when it's used in games, what it means is that like, so let's say I have a cube, mm. I can have a texture that basically is those colors, red, green, and blue, corresponding to X, Y, and Z, but mm. it actually goes the other way. So it takes those colors. So if I have like a really bumpy surface, mm -hmm. I can save an image of that and then feed it in and use it as actual normals to calculate the light differently. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so, so, so maybe what I mean more is like normal visualization. Okay, yeah. okay. So it adds like, it adds or lessens a, a, another texture in which makes, gives the impression that there's light reacting exactly. to... Exactly, and that it actually is like a super detailed surface instead of... That is one of the like elements of technical wizardry on like, especially 
new AAA games that is kind of mind-boggling to me how yeah. someone came up with that. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but... yeah. It's, it definitely is really crazy to think about, like, one person just being like, wait a second. Oh, my God, this changes everything, you know? Well, and it's it's weird because it's, I mean, you it, to go back to talking about how a lot of, you know, a lot of people in, in, in that, that WebJS community the the applications are usually for advertisement it's 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 true in games too of all these technological innovations that when you actually understand them are really interesting um but when they're applied they're applied in usually a way to make something seem more uh I guess I guess give the impression of being more organic or yeah. give the impression of being representational to reality or um and and therefore it's like this kind of like wizardry that we don't we don't understand or whatever and I it oftentimes yeah. like it's used for things that are not very interesting outside of that Yeah 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 totally like for me a lot of times like I'll use um basically I'll use a function that will take the normal of a surface and somehow run it through something that then converts it into a number through uh, between 0 and 256, and then I use that to pull the audio from a bin. And so it's oh. sort of it's like you're taking this information and then you're sort of like, you know, using all these rules that, that, that all these programmers have developed to make something look more, let's say, realistic – and so you're using that same rule. So our mind like is good at understanding like, oh, the light source comes from this direction, but and, and it like lights it this way and it fades from light to dark. But in 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 this case, like instead of fading from light to dark, you could fade from low frequency to high frequency. Mm. You know? And so it's that's, cool. Yeah. You just get really interesting. Yeah, you gotta use techniques that all these people have used to like created to make things look realistic and just do the wrong thing with them. <laughs> I mean, right in whatever way you want to call it, but like, like a lot of times I'll show it to to people who sort of like are like, oh, like I've never thought about doing that, and you're like, yep, you've never thought about doing that because it is very specifically wrong. You know, it's very specifically not how you're supposed to do this. Well, it's it's wrong in the way that it's defined by that culture i guess yes yeah. well and i think that to me like that kind of goes a lot uh back to the sort of like you know clickiness of things is that i think communities are wonderful but the thing about a community is that as it grows it sort of begins to build its own vocabulary and once it has enough vocabulary to um succinctly describe the thing that it's creating like once the thing is defined that sort of affects how things are created because when there's so obviously like one thing like let's take uh, wolfenstein and doom and, and first person shooters like once there is a sort of like narrative and vocabulary that is used to describe first person shooters it sort of creates this weight that will make things that are similar tend towards that center point well right? especially if one thing gets popular exactly 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 and and i think that a lot of times one thing gets popular um there's sort of as a narrative that is told about that popular thing and then it it and then it it, it builds yeah it builds an idea and a narrative that can be told about um that specific work 
you know, so that like in when you when you send, let's say you send a journalist a weird game and you send a journalist, um, you know, like a, 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 a first person shooter, you know, if they if they look at the first person shooter and they don't have time to look at a lot of stuff. So they look at it for a second. And they're like, oh, this is like this thing. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden they have a connection. They have something that they can write about. They have something they can describe. Whereas the weird thing like might take a bit longer to like really understand the mechanics or it might take a bit longer to sort of like grasp the point of it or it might intentionally be confusing, you know, which makes it much more difficult for it to sort of like go viral or, or, or be something that is easily digestible. And I feel like that happens with communities, you know, I think that like certain communities begin to slowly create sort of the expected outcome um, and then everything tends towards that ex- expected outcome and becomes more and more crystallized and then, you know, people are maybe more afraid to do something wrong. That that goes back really well to what we were talking about, you know, when I talked about feeling disillusioned from game stuff and you talked about feeling feeling disillusioned from web dev i I had a lot of the same experiences um with games like there are different sort of factions i guess you could say but oftentimes the factions are pretty like they take one thing and they they stand behind that so the people who are like i am artists aren't necessarily going to be the people who like experimenting with the kinds of stuff that you're talking about and then the people who are who are really knowledgeable about the technology um aren't usually that interested in using it for experimentation. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting because even in very experimental communities, like, for example, like the demo scene itself, um, I sort of, like, made a demo and, like, was really proud of it and, and put it up on net, which is this website where people put up demos, and it just got trash you know it just was what like, did people not like about it uh you know there's a lot of rainbows and people are like what is this i puke colors like what is this doing like <laughs> you know just because it's sort of like the you know especially for a community like the demo scene which is like extremely crystallized you know uh it just wasn't something that fit into their vocabulary and i, I think that it, you know we as humans sometimes tend to get scared of instead of excited by things that are different i mean i'll also like you know i would you know the things that i make are total shit compared to most things in the demo scene you know like there are experts and there are reasons there are reasons that were legitimate that why people hated on my work but also like some of the reasons were just like oh this is just different like you just don't you know have the exact vocabulary to talk about this thing you know or or people assume that you're doing stuff because you don't know how to do something else, which may or may not be true. But yeah, yeah, Even yeah. if it is true, it doesn't mean that what you made isn't interesting. Exactly, exactly. Um, and sort of like whatever dimension you choose to engage with the medium can bring something new to that medium. Um, and it sucks because a lot of times, you know, that's how mediums begin to sort of fade is is that it crystallizes enough that, that new ideas aren't allowed and then there's no progression you know yeah well that when i was talking to natalie about net art that i think that was one of the things that she said is that people got increasingly um like uh, into like showing off and uh there was a lot of like um it was very obviously very male dominated community as most of these communities are and so like these egos sort of took over and um it kind of became so narrowly focused yeah 
that people got bored of it and except for you know whoever is is internally in that scene who's still like extremely committed to it and therefore like it's kind of relevance or or interestingness or whatever kind of tapered off and and you know there are other things that that happened of course but like um i've seen that happen with a lot of communities i saw that happen with um uh i i was in a um i it happened with the indie games community it totally happened with the indie games community um but um i mean it's always it's cyclical, far as, though. It's very yeah. cyclical. You know, I think that at, at, at a certain point, like, there, it, something becomes stagnant enough that, like, the new, you know, everybody gets bored enough that then, like, some, you know, there's, like, a sort of, like, critical mass of just, like, one thing that's super new and crazy that everybody's like, oh, fuck, like, we can be weird, you know? Yeah, that that only happens, like, the per- whoever makes that thing is... is- often really lucky and you know because it that only comes around every once in a while well i would also say that that usually that person actually isn't from the community yeah so usually that person is sort of like like i think that part of the strength that i had especially like the fact that like the the you know enough did well enough in the in in the webgl community but like also like all the people who did games who tried it seemed to really like it you know is because i didn't have knowledge of what a game was supposed to be, you know? And it sort of is like the beginner's mind, like, uh, like not, not knowing what the fuck you're doing and sort of like that allows you to do truly novel things. And I think that that sort of like is the most important part about making a community that like wants to grow is by, 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 uh, inviting people who are not of that community to continue not being part of that community, but to also, be accepted by the community. You know, like, yeah. I don't necessarily feel like I'm a indie game developer, but mm-hmm. I do feel like a lot of people in the indie game community have accepted me and have sort of like given me their grace, you know, or sort of said like, you're allowed to call what you made a game. And that to me was like a huge moment. Like even you saying like, this is a game was like, oh, I can say that, like, I made a game, like, that's really exciting, you know, but it, it sort of takes somebody from the community, like, allowing you the ability to sort of, like, believe that you are part of that community, and that is the only moment when that community actually expands, you know, is, is when new people from not that community become part of that community. Yeah, the the problem that I have with, with the game stuff is partly just because that the that subculture has become so huge and so... yeah toxic but also so like um that kind of stuff certain kinds of things make money and certain kinds of things get yep. vis- visibility yep. and i do think like like i said um i mean i had the same experience um part also with with problematic the game that i made like you know it was one of those things where it's like um uh, a lot of people in games were just like what the fuck is this like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is stupid like you know or like and one a, of my favorite games is How to Be an Artist in Ten Seconds. Just, yeah, great artist. Yeah, brilliant. It's so good because it's not really a game; it's a tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love. I just love. You know, I mean, I don't know if I I fuck with the term game in general. Like it. Yeah, it's, it's good, but it just like. I it never, has a not the greatest connotation a it, lot of the time. Exactly. Like I never would use that word, but I'm talking to somebody like in Hollywood, for example, because. <laughs> 
you know, none of them. If unless it's Kanye West. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> unless you say, like, if you say game around somebody in Hollywood, they're just like, nope, that is, you know, they're just like, in their mind, they're like, oh, you mean Candy Crush? And I'm just like, no! <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and what what I was talking about happened, too, with, uh, it happens especially with uh, smaller communities, I think, and who have who have more more of a narrow focus and therefore are more inherently fragile because mm-hmm. um, yep. like I was part of this community um, it's called I mean I've talked about this before and you know a lot of those people who are still around don't really follow my work now anyway so whatever but um, uh, it's called OC Remix and it was like uh, video game music uh, rearrangements oh cool and I first discovered it in like 2002, and I was just blown away because, you know, I like video game music, but and I felt like it was unappreciated. But I also there were a lot of sites for video game music, but it was like midis, you know, or like things like that that um, you're pretty limited on if you wanted to do an arrangement on what you could really do. Right, right, right. Um, but all of a sudden, like, oh, it's I can make. I can make this. I can make a full audio, you know, piece of audio. Like I can from I don't have to without recording anything. Like I can use a program right. to on the computer to synthesize that audio and not just like you know, not just like, you know, hitting note on or off, but I can also use samples and all kinds of weird sounds yeah, yeah. in it. And like I was like, "Oh my god." And I learned how to make music um on the computer from that um and there were some really good basics that it introduced me to and also um that community up to a certain point like um the first few years of it um and i came in sort of a few years into it um they just kind of let whatever in and so there are a lot of different kinds of things and they're not professional but they're weird and you wouldn't necessarily hear some of these things somewhere else yeah um but then after a certain point i think they started to get popular and there was a lot of like drama and um just a lot of other things a lot of people had egos and different ideas about that the way that that community should go yeah and, it's really tight like like yeah. communities are great, but sort of like the cool part for me is that, you know, when you don't, when you aren't deeply involved in a community, you don't have to deal with any of the drama. You know, like I'm sure that there's some crazy WebGL drama that, or like, you know, like drama in the ad industry that I don't know between different competing companies and just like, I don't know, you know, like whatever. It's it's really cool to like literally not even know about it, you know. <laughs> That's a very, very healthy way of looking at things that I wish I would have. Well, I mean, the problem is that also, like, it means, you know, like, if you don't get involved with the community, then you don't, you know, you also don't get some of the benefits, you know, like, yeah. like, like, uh, for example, a relationship, like, you can casually date someone, and it's great, and you can, you know, be interested in that, but if you want to, like, get to a deeper place, and you want to have this, like, foster this, like, deep connection, you're also opening yourself up to to the drama and the hurt and like all these other things. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, because of that, I can like uh, I I can explain things about that particular community to other people and try and you know give a reason for what I think the things that I think are good, why I think they're good, yeah, and yep. why I think they're worthwhile, yep. and 
it, you know, in spite of all the mistakes of that community. And it's the same thing with games. I, I've really dove deep into games and I dove deep into watching like YouTube personalities and things like that. That, that were things that I didn't necessarily like, um, or, you know, at least like, you know, weren't things that I identified with, but, uh, I do understand a little more about that stuff now, and I yeah. can well, recommend some important. people really weird or really different games that might I can like curate a lot better yeah, and introduce yeah, yeah, it yeah. a lot better to other people. Yeah, and also like I think for me, like a lot of it comes down to like when you find somebody who you resonate with, like it feels really good, you know. Like, and I think a lot of the times the interesting part about a lot of communities is that it feels like they're built or not necessarily let's uh let me rephrase this the interesting part about a lot of um like people who i f think like are very important is that they're so genuine like um like for example like like i've you know i don't know pretty much anything about youtube streamers except like most of them make me want to die and like <laughs> lose hope for the human race i have found a few genuine ones of yeah, course like like for me like video game donkey like the way that he speaks makes me like feel i don't know it just makes me feel like he wants to choose love in this world <laughs> and like and and and, and i also i mean like you know, especially his newer stuff feels like it's much more uh, manicured and it feels like he's much more like treated it as an art form or as a medium instead of just streaming. But it's really interesting to me how like all it takes is like him just like talking with a smile. And I'm just like, I'm fucking sold, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to watch all your videos. Uh, that, yeah, that's interesting because I, I think like uh, uh, in those communities like i can think of in that youtube community or in i've been in a lot of different like sub communities in like indie games or alt games or you know the different sort of factions of games and in um d doom doom modding um yeah. or or things like that um there is a really tons if you especially if you're involved a lot of social pressure towards making things a certain way right um and i think like one of the only reasons why i've been accepted a little more in the games community in spite of making something like problematic or whatever is just because i've written a lot about games like i wrote about you know i've done like commentary critical commentary about games so people know that like i understand them enough right, like right, i've right, demonstrated right. that but it, it it's definitely taken a while well it's also so interesting how much more like when you have a respect of the community like how much further that goes in towards of like you being able to sort of begin to say the things that you want so like like for example i've been playing rocket league hella <laughs> you and rocket league i swear to god still played it still played it um, uh, just just for the sake of anyone listening i think the first time that i hung out with you maybe it was the second time you were just like it's rocket league time <laughs> rocket league i'm gonna play for eight hours and i was just like oh my god yep uh that has not changed um, <laughs> but it's cool because now i'm actually good enough that like you know when i say something when we're like talking on you know like when, when like me and other people are chatting while we're playing like the thing that i say sort of carries a bit more weight just because i'm good at the game you know and so like before like when i was really bad people would say like fucked up things or you know say something super racist or super transphobic or super like you know just like mean spirited and i'd be like hey that's mean you know, like, you don't need to say that. 
Um, and I just want to let you know that, like, you know, that that is something that made this game a bit more unpleasant for me. Um, and, you know, of course, when I started, everybody's just like, fuck you, get out of here, you know, like, even augmenting more. And obviously that still happens. Um, but a lot of times, like, you know, people will say something mean and then I'll just, like, score 20 goals in their face and then like, oh, this person might actually have something important to say. Because the assumption is that if you have the view outside of that, then that means you don't know them or you don't know how to do this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But if you're like, like, oh, we really care about the same thing, like then you can begin to communicate in a slightly different way. And it's been so amazing for me to see just like people – you know, there's like one person, I mean, who by the end – we were like playing together and we were playing like a few matches together and by like – match like four or five i like started talking with him about like you know it started you know like it started off with him like yelling at me and getting really pissed and then sort of i scored a few goals and he's like okay nice nice goal and then by like game four or five i was like talking with him and i was like yo you know like you should check out therapy you know like i just started therapy it's been like really good for me and and you should like really check that out and like we ended up just I, like i ended up like sending him a bunch of resources for like finding a therapist and he was like yo i really really deeply appreciate this and like really really needed that and it's like crazy because it was like just because i was really good at the same video game as said like he could somehow respect me you know that yeah that's kind of i think you hit on like really one of the like central problems of like tech culture especially and like video game culture any kind of like uh definitely super nerd nerd focused thing where um that knowledge is kind of hoarded and valued and if like if you have it you get respect but if you don't well and if you have this very specific knowledge you know yeah and like uh, traditionally people who are outside of that are like you know like women or yep. or or you know minority groups people of color like all that kind of stuff so like well and you're also like totally independent of the knowledge you are prohibiting people from gaining that knowledge just by being antagonistic towards them so they can never get to the place where they you know have an ability to deserve respect because they're just being you know like destroyed from moment 1 you know like as soon as somebody gets on if to Rocket League if they're, you know, somebody who's going to be offended by or hurt by, like, a lot of the shit that people say, like, immediately you're getting hurt. And immediately it's like, wait, why the fuck would I ever care about this knowledge? You know, it, yeah. it comes at such a great price. Like, I don't I don't want to care about this knowledge because it's also kind of arbitrary, you know? Yeah, I think that is, maybe it's a thing of human nature. Maybe it's a, uh, I don't know, like, people want to form their own factions. They want to create their own like fort and you have to know the password to get in yeah 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 sort of like the act of othering is is a way that people feel like they have some semblance of control i think by sort of and and the thing about it is that sort of like the act of othering also does create a tighter net community in a lot of ways it might necessarily be a positive community it might not be one that helps them grow it might be like an extremely negative toxic community but it still does create a deeper community like uh burning man for example has this very clear delineation of outside versus inside but it's interesting because like once that delineation happens you can 
be so much more freer on the inside because you're like, oh, all these people are of my same, you know, like I can trust all these people. I can be more vulnerable around all these people. Mm. Um, and that's cool. You know, like it's cool to sort of like be able to be at a position where you feel like you can trust people and is extremely important for something like Burning Man. But it also really sucks, you know, because like one of their tenets is, is radical inclusion. And it just is like that is the exact opposite of of sort of like the feeling that I get from most people who, who, you know, are part of that community. Yeah. Or, or at least who talk about being part of that community, let's say. Yeah. And the, the stereotype that I have of Burning Man now is that it's, it's something that like, you know, tech workers and, and, and venture capital people go to and be weird for one week and then come back. But, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it makes it, um, it's a good advice for somebody who's in, in a, on a community who, you know, maybe wants wants something else but don't know what they want, like it, to be better about respecting or yeah. um or just make the first step, you know, like like just saying to somebody on an online community like, "Hey, I just want you to know that like that made the game less fun for me and I really like this game. You know, it, it, it sucks because sort of like the response you're going to get is fuck you and quit out and rage. You know, like you're going to get a lot of hatred mm-hmm. and, and, it, 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 and, and a lot of times it's sort of like, you know, the worst is online when like, uh, you know, on Rocket League, I'll, somebody will sort of be mean to me and I'll respond with like sort of like peaceful calmness and then they'll be mean again and somebody else will be like, you know, why are you attacking Isaac? Like, fuck you. And it's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Like, like, this isn't how this needs to go. Like, we can all choose, you know, it's okay for him to attack me. Like, that person obviously feels hurt. You know, that person obviously, like, has a reason for doing what they're doing. And and that reason might not be a good one. That reason might just be, like, they've been trained their entire life to believe that's okay or sort of, like, been sort of trained their entire life to sort of, like, believe that that's the way that you have fun. But, like, they're a person, they're in pain, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to communicate in, in some way, you know, like everybody, you know, like every, you know, like going to the defense, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of sucks because a lot of times I'll create these antagonizing situations just by trying to respond where somebody all of a sudden is being violent, you know, for me to this other person. And I'm just like, that is not, you know, that's not at all what I want, but sometimes it can be caused. So I think a lot of it is just like a uh, radical non-action in some ways, or like radical non-violence in the way that you sort of like, uh, continuously in the face of everything that is cruel, that is said, you just try to think about like, okay, what is the kindest thing that I could do for this person? Or what is the best way for me to communicate with this person? And that, or, yeah, go for it. Or also, I mean, like, even if somebody doesn't have the specific knowledge in the area that you value, like, think about maybe that person is like, it's total expert or totally yeah. knows tons about this other thing that yeah. you have nothing about. Yeah. So that, like, that's something that you should yeah. You should realize, like, not just assume that the other person is coming in trying to, like, attack or devalue your knowledge, yeah. but, like, that 
they're just coming in from a different perspective because maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. they have this other thing that they're really, really awesome And they're at, like, I like what you like, and check out this other thing. And, and, and I think a lot of times to sort of like check out this other thing is really terrifying because it's like, wait, why are you diverting attention from the thing that we've been talking about? Like this thing that we're talking about is awesome. You know, like why are you trying to make a weird art game? We have all these other cool games, you know, like we've got the 2D platformer. Like why yeah. do you want to take away from that, you know? Yeah, and I, I have had to communicate to people, like, uh, you know, communicate, like, I actually like playing video yeah, games, and I exactly. still, like, I have issues, I have plenty of issues with, like, Mario and Zelda, but, yeah, they're definitely fun games, yeah, yeah, or, exactly, like, exactly, or exactly. Doom or any of that, like, you know, and, uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I guess those, like, I guess it's sort of happening a little bit, but it, it's something that I, I wish would, would happen uh, more. A, a phrase that I've been uh, uh, sort of liking a lot is unconditional love, uncompromising critique. Sort of like you start with this place of love. You start by saying like this, you know, like like if you really love Zelda, you're going to fucking say it like it is. You know, you're going to say like all the problems with it because, you know, if you really love something, you also understand like how it can be better. You also understand that like it is perfect in its own way, but it also is like – you know, there's so much more than it could be. I remember when we first talked about Journey, you, you know, like you were one of the first people who were like, fuck Journey, you know? But it was also <laughs> yeah. like so cool to be like, oh, like there are so many things that are wrong with this game. And yeah. it's so exciting of like how much more games can be when you start facing forward and you start not saying like fuck games in general, but sort of just like, how do we make it more? How do? Well, yeah. What's the next step? What's the and next with, step? With you Journey, know? I'm like coming from a place of like, like you, like I know a lot about games, and um, like I, and I was very interested in that game when it came out. So, and you know, and parts of it still obviously appeal to me, like aesthetically and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. the 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 criticism comes from like, uh, you know. Like, let's look at the broader picture and what we could be doing yeah, exactly. with this stuff. Exactly. And and oftentimes the thing there are things that like seem a lot less maybe cultured or something like that. Because that is a game that comes off as you know, even though it's fairly mainstream, it also comes off as being reasonably culturally sound or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, whereas you know, some other games like I don't know, like. I haven't played this game, so it's kind of a weird example to use, but there's a game called Ill Bleed from the Dream for the Dreamcast that's like this bizarre stupid satirical horror game. Right. And um but it's not particularly like popular or or well known or whatever and um it might have like a lot of you know, even understanding the problems and everything, it might have like a lot to communicate just because it's like undervalued or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it sort of is like, like Journey to me sort of said a lot of things that have already been said and maybe a way that it combined a few more of those and sort of like pushed it and, but like didn't really push it, sort of just like reset some things in a, in a, a more polished way or sort of a more, you know, um, aesthetic way. But it sort of is like, I think it's very important to respect pop for what it is but also like never you know like pop can 
push it in in terms of like the way that it is. You know, like like for example, like a I think a really good example is like uh, Beyonce uh, with the feminist sign at the Super Bowl. It's like yeah. oh shit, that's really tight that that she did that. But also like let's not pretend that like the Super Bowl is feminist. You know. Yeah, I mean the the Beyonce thing is definitely a, a huge area of online discourse that I've gotten uh, some flack for saying that I have like a lot of mixed opinions about. But um, but that is a good example of like that that sort of pop that that is that is grasping at all these like important issues that aren't weren't getting recognized necessarily so much before, but maybe not in a way that really communicates their complexity or exactly or... exactly exactly and it's but it's important also to acknowledge at least in my mind that like um making something popular does has the potential to do something positive because it says like hey you can make money off this like and 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 i think that this you know probably is going to lead us into a description of why capitalism is the worst ever but i think that like there is some power to people feeling like they can, you know, like make it and buy their Maserati, you know, through feminism or through weird yeah. games or through things that are different. Even if that is uh, a, a bad way of looking at it. Exactly, exactly. There still is – there is some positive to that. The question is like, you know – is that positive like a Band-Aid on an axe wound? You know, like is that positive yeah. Is it – is it outweighed by the negative? Exactly, exactly. But I, you know, it's, I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that, you know? Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard discussion. I, I just like, for me, it, you know, I, I always want to like try and challenge people to look outside of their, their viewpoint. And yeah. I think people are perfectly capable of it, but there's a lot of uh, resources or things put in place to make you not want to do that. And I think that comes back to the like the like the problems with capitalism and all that kind of stuff and the the online economy is that even though all these things are theoretically on the same playing field um they're not actually and uh, yeah. even though like you know it's the same youtube that shows you know all these Beyonce videos or, or Taylor Swift or, right, as you know, the YouTube that shows whatever else it still is. Yeah. It's yeah. It's the same YouTube you would upload something else to, or that some bizarre experiment would be on. It's still very different. And people are definitely, there's a lot of, there's a lot in place in that sort of business to, to make those divisions, to make f people feel more comfortable. And I think that's the, that's the thing that, you know, I really want to, with this podcast and, you know, with talking about this stuff, I really want to just break down those barriers because they are kind of like in, in one way, if it's a community of people, if you're in a community of people and you value them, that's that's totally 100 percent real. And what you're interested in is totally 100 percent real. But the barriers and divisions between these communities, yeah, oftentimes, especially for people who are the outside who don't know anything about them, just seem kind of like bizarre and like yeah. non-existent and like why would you like this thing but not you know that they don't distinguish those things and i think that's kind of that that is how it is like these things are don't really need to be divided yeah um as much as they are and um i don't know i i just hope for like a little bit more of a 
of a democratic or a more of a yeah, um, yeah. more communication between between groups like a more interconnected network means more novel ideas means more nuanced ideas you know and nuanced ideas are might not be as viral you know as 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 something that is easily digestible you know like it might not be as viral as as candy crush you know but it 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 has so much more depth and so much more complexity when you get to engage with something that has multiple sides and communicates different perspectives and sort of like creates a paradox in your mind where you have to hold these different ideas in your head and like makes your mind, you know, wander and dance and play and exercise. And it might be uncomfortable, you know, it might yeah, be uncomfortable. Don't, it's, it's like the, the thing that I have to tell people is like, don't just look for things that make you feel good yes. or, or better. Yes. Because like there are some things that I didn't, feel good about that I have not fe felt good about that I uh and you know that I avoided for years and years and then I kind of decided like okay I'm gonna try and give this a chance even if I feel you know uh, anxious about yeah. particular elements of these things and then what feels good to me now is is different yeah like um it, it you can totally you have the ability to, to do that and change your kind of perception to, to expand you know and i don't think a lot of people even know that but um well i think that it's yeah it definitely is hard to figure out you know because i think for me one of the problems is that like a lot of times it's it's scary to for me to sort of like try something new that i'm maybe not comfortable with because if i fail at it you know if i really can't deal with it it sort of adds to this like um, guilt or, or 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 sense that like I can't actually do anything and like maybe I should just stop trying and and so it's really scary because like each time I try if I try and it doesn't work then that's like one more tick on the sort of like well I shouldn't try Mark so I get too scared to try anything you know like I yeah I have that problem too of like game development or something like maybe i shouldn't try this because i'm not an expert and i don't yeah. know how to understand these systems or yeah. yeah and there's a lot of people out there who would you know actively discourage people like me or people yeah. like you or a anyone who's experimenting in like yeah a new space to 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 try and you know fail i think they, that like the biggest thing like one of the things that my therapist told me that i really 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 like is uh she said that like you need to understand that like your concept of failure only indicates that like your view of success is too narrow, you know, sort of like when you fail at anything, you learn something, you know, and it's, and sometimes it's hard to recognize those, those failures as like growth. But as soon as you do, then it just, you feel like invincible in some ways. Cause you're like, Oh, like I actually can't fuck up if I'm trying new things. Like there's no way for me to fuck up except maybe by like dying by doing motorcycle without <laughs> having learned to ride a motorcycle, you know? Yeah. But aside from that, like, oh, like I'm just getting stronger. I'm just, you know, learning more. I'm just like practicing being experimental, you know? And it definitely is sort of like, yeah, maybe you want to try new things. You know, like I've signed up for like art classes that I know I'm going to be the worst at. I've, you know, like it, it, it just allows you a lot more freedom in the way that you experience this world and a lot more freedom in terms of like what you can make yours, you know? Yeah. And I, I do think there's a lot of pressure against that, especially like I feel it making money through the internet, um, like a pressure to stay in a specific 
zone where that is getting you know where i'm getting some recognition from and that can that's had a lot of negative effects on me i think um but i know a lot of pe people who are in the same place of like you know and it is really hard to to step outside and and realize all this stuff but it is really important yeah um, but I wanted to. You, we were talking about pop music, and uh, I wanted to seek into one last thing. Of uh, I, I saw recently you did. Um, how would you describe it? I don't know exactly. You did a an interactive website piece for the uh, the uh, IDM uh, electronic group Plaid. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that project's actually ongoing. We've I've sort of been talking with them a lot about. Uh, the concept to so their their upcoming album is called the digging remedy and mm -hmm. we've sort of have been talking about like you know they really love sort of like going to like a, a a record shop and just like digging and how that you know is sort of therapeutic in the way that you're like trying to find these new things and it's it's cool because in a lot of the conversations we have it it's more you know it's like more a, a conversation of like discovery rather than creation you know and it, and it goes mm -hmm. back to the sort of like the way that i make music of just like oh this is where oh you know it's, it's sort of this like you're digging and you're digging and you're digging and you sort of like find something like oh shit that's it like be with that um and so sort of like we've been wanting to expand on that website and and as the you know more things come out we'll we'll expand it more but sort of like um yeah just like try to make something that that feels fun and exploratory and feels like as you engage with it more you find new things and there's like all these you know like hidden things built in and easter eggs and it's cool because for me like i love easter eggs so much mm -hmm. I've like my dream is basically like making a game where there just is an Easter egg that is like the majority of a new game, you know, like actually <laughs> like Sims and you're like playing through Sims and then like at some point in time you like hear this like weird melody in the distance and you're like, oh, what is that? And you start sort of like following it and then like, you know, you see these things that are like in the world but not of the world. Like maybe you're seeing these like weird, you know, rainbow crystals and you start following them and then there just is like a portal. And you just like go through the portal and then you like fall down and then all of a sudden you're in like Katamari and you've turned <laughs> into a giant ball or something like that, you know? Yeah, I think that's the appeal of like uh, the game, the stuff that Natalie makes is, is sort of that way or like, uh, you Incre know, Frog... Uh, yeah, Incrapara is that? Is that yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of his stuff. Frog um, Fractions is a great. Frog one. Fractions. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. The first time I I played that, actually, like, I was just like, "What the fuck is this? Like, bullshit, incorrect kids learning game? Why does everybody love this?" And then it wasn't until like two years later where somebody's like, "Oh, you should try that again." I was like, okay, and then it's just like, oh my god, there is so much, you know. Yeah. Those moments of sort, and it's it, it, one thing that I'll say about that though is that like the act of creating an Easter egg is sort of what we're doing when we're talking about communities. You know, it sort of is like setting up like a difficulty in order to enter a community. You know, that creates then like an inside and an outside of that community of those who have found the Easter egg and those who have not found the Easter egg. And it's really interesting to sort of like like a community contains more weight when it is more difficult to enter, you know, but it also can become more meaningless when there are less people to enter because sort of the the group of people who make it are are such a specific group of people. 
And that's like a really, I, I really love that parallel to sort of like community and Easter eggs because there's so many, you know, Easter eggs in these other games where it's like, oh, you found that too? Like, we are brethren now. <laughs> um, but yeah, then, that's yeah. that's like uh, older games were more designed that way. Zelda was designed with that in mind. Yeah. The it, original Zelda. It, it just, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It just is like, it, yeah, there's it, it's it's a really interesting sort of dichotomy of like, Easter eggs are very, you know, creating an outgroup. You know, they're very much hiding something and being mysterious. And they're sort of like antithetical to a lot of what we've been talking about this entire conversation where it's like, oh, if there's something beautiful, everybody should see that. And you could be should be welcoming people to see that. You should be thinking about ways of getting other people to see that, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know part of the thing that is the beauty of that is is the fact that it is difficult to get to and the yeah. f- like somebody has to work to get to it and i think that maybe in my mind the sort of way that i resolve those two sort of opposing descriptions is that like you should make it so that anybody can experience a thing and that if anybody chooses to engage with it they should be rewarded for that engagement rather than saying Oh no, you need to do a little bit more. Like, oh no, you aren't good enough yet. Oh, you haven't done enough yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe sort of like making it so that any so that uh somebody can come into an experience, whether it be a community or whether it be a game, and immediately can find deep satisfaction with it. But yeah. every time there's a, a desire for an extra step of curiosity, an extra step of involvement, that also can be rewarded. You know, that also can be, um, you know, appreciated. And it just is about like appreciating those steps rather than sort of like depreciating other people's steps, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, choosing to yeah, like be kind as a reward instead of like in sort of like if somebody wants to be part of your game, part of your group, part of the Easter egg, you say, okay, cool, come on in. Mm-hmm. And then they that could be the only step they take. But if they want to take another step, you say like, oh, cool, come a bit deeper. Oh, cool, come a bit deeper. But it should always be like, oh, cool, not like, you know not yeah. to, you know, like yeah. always don't, be, yes, yeah. not stay, stay away. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I guess I should. Uh, I want to ask just one more question. This is um, how did how did uh, just how did play uh, plaid? Sorry, get in contact with you. How did they oh, yeah. get exposed to your work? I was uh, kind of curious about that. Totally. Yeah. So uh, my good friend Jonah Brandel, who is also definitely uh, part of the like creative code community, um, made a piece called Patatap uh, a few years ago. That's like this weird. Uh, you know, you play different. Uh, uh, keys on your keyboard and it makes different sounds really cool piece did very very well um, and they contacted him to make a music video for them and then he sort of was like uh, showed their work to that my work to them and then they reached out and oh cool started making stuff yeah it's all I about just, community <laughs> yeah it's true it's true I like because I I'm always interested um, in just you know being a musician when I see pop musicians kind of uh well you know pop and like um, pop in the broad sense i yeah, guess yeah. not just not just you know main super mainstream yeah, yeah, exactly. pop um like contact people from you know 
weird no. yeah. outsider artists or people from games like that that Bjork website you showed me with the oh, yeah, Vincent but... Vincent McKelvey. Oh God, I love his work so much. Or like uh, your your friend who I met who had done you know work for like pop pop stars like oh yeah, yeah yeah max Weisel. yeah yeah um and it, it is interesting like I, I i hope i guess when someone has a little bit more resources to do it it, it allows more um that to happen but i maybe, yeah. maybe it's part of me is like secretly like maybe it's because there's something about music that that lends itself to to being more communal and and open versus other things well i think a lot of it is, is to I think a lot of it is predicated, you know, like the fact that the WebGL community is based around ad work is sort of like that's where the money is. And I think with music, because they're sort of like these, we need to think about new ways to consume music because sort of like the physical object doesn't nece- isn't necessarily the way to commu- just to, to to share music or isn't necessarily like the best way to distribute music. You know, there need to be sort of like new objects that can be associated with music and i think that that's sort of causing people to have to reach out a bit farther that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of sense and you can Um, i mean like you you can see like a lot of people are doing um uh album covers like there's this artist who i absolutely love uh jonathan zawada jonathan let me see zawada yeah oh god he's so good um and he uh did the new uh flume album cover and he did the new Mark Pritchard album cover, um, a bunch of these new album covers. And he just is like a, a a really good visual artist. And you can sort of see like, it's like, oh my God, he's really good at creating visual objects that, that are good to put next to music. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, then he must be a very important person to sort of, you know, like he, he's, a, he's a great person to sort of be working with to create new ways of distributing music or new ways of, of communicating mimetically music that makes sense like whenever there's there's more it the 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 safe is cracked open or something whenever there's uh there's more kind of trying to be figured out then then these experiments tend to happen yeah more. exactly 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 and i've seen that i see also the there was um flying lotus album cover that was um shintaro kago who's like a a, a a Japanese uh, g- guru artist. Uh, which which album was it? Uh, uh, You're dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a and great piece. Yeah, I really like that that artist. So it was kind of really interesting to see it um, intersect with with the pop album or yeah. you know whatever you'd categorize. Yeah, I think that's that for me is like one 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 cool thing about like VR right now too is that sort of everybody's like scrambling to know what they're supposed to do or how this thing's supposed to work and it, and because of that it sort of like allows more people who are like trying weird stuff to try weird stuff and sort of like still have a voice because there's no crystallized voice of what is right so there's more allowed you know there's more experimentation allowed yeah that makes a lot of sense well i guess we can end the conversation on that unless there's anything else you want to talk about uh not not really that i can think of yeah uh, this, it's been a really good conversation. <laughs> yeah, we covered like a lot more than I thought we were going to. Actually, a lot of stuff very, uh, you know, 
kind of getting at the heart of some of the issues of why I even started this podcast. So that's really great. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it feels cool to be able to sort of say out loud a lot of things like the, the, the rocket league stuff is something I've been thinking about. Cause it, it really is like a, a deep experience when you can connect with someone who before you could not connect with like it, I think that's the reason we're here, you know, is, is is for these connections and for sort of like getting to see the like beautiful, tiny, little shimmering, iridescent jewel inside each other person. And that's always there, you know, it just is like muddled by all this pain and anxiety and, and, and mortality and all these things that just like really make us hurt and, and cause other people hurt. And it's so cool to those moments when you get it, get beyond that and you get to just see that person for you know like the the person that they are which is always a beautiful thing you know yeah that is that's so so much to so much to unpack (laughs) the whole thing um i feel like i should say something just like really goofy and uncouth yeah (laughs) well so anyway this i guess uh this was beyond the filter um and i've been talking to isaac cohen cohen aka kabibo who lives in oakland he does web dev uh, web gl games ish interactive visual musical stuff um and yeah uh i'm still working on having a website and all that kind of stuff so uh i'll <laughs> but but right now i have the stuff up on archive.org i don't know if i sent you uh isaac the link to um the the first one that's up but definitely, i'm about to put the second do. one up and yeah and i'm i'm gonna have a lot more people on we're gonna talk about a lot more stuff so so definitely check it out um and yeah it was really great to talk to you um yeah you too liz it was and i i hope i see you next time i'm in oakland <laughs> yeah definitely i'll be coming up to portland sometime soon okay cool excellent